Good afternoon. We were just driving by, thought we'd stop in and have some lunch. Welcome to Lydia's Last Guest, a podcast reviewing, breaking down, Easter egging, and black fact-finding the HBO series Lovecraft Country. I'm Daryl. I'm Rosalind. I'm Sean. And today we're going over episode seven, I Am, which focuses on the character Hippolyta, Uncle George's wife. Overall, how do we feel about the episode? What I'll say is, for me, this episode was, it was powerful, it was beautiful, it was enlightening. I found it hard to, like, find my words or put my feelings into words. All I know is, like, every scene with Hippolyta kind of resonated with me. Like, I understood what was happening and how it made me feel, but I couldn't articulate it. And... I don't know, I felt like this episode was um, probably the, the voice that I couldn't find. Like, Hippolyta's, like, cosmic journey was, like, a brilliantly written love letter to Black women. That was eloquently put. Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was very, thinking, I'm That just was like, very well put. I know how I identify with my relation to other people. Like, I know I'm a mother, I know I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a friend, I'm an aunt, I'm a nurse, but it's like, stripped of all that, who am I? What would I be doing if I didn't have all, like, you know, all these roles and responsibilities, you know? And I felt yeah. like what I got most out of this in the end was you have to have balance. You can't completely submerge yourself in these roles and lose yourself. And even by the end of her, her journey of empowerment and just self-actualization, like she realized that her daughter needed her most. Her biggest role was being a mother, but I feel like with all that she is now, taking that back to her daughter, her daughter is going to be a great woman. Oh yeah, uh, Hippolyte is definitely definitely become more more whole more complete in all of her roles through this experience i really enjoyed the episode i loved it immediately after watching the episode i had tweeted out existing in the ruins of male dominance never permitted to carve out their own place black women have always been defined by their reactions to the actions of their male counterparts allowing black women the space to define themselves is so desperately needed like it was a really dope episode and it kind of like, it reminded me of when Ruby was posed the question, mm-hmm. who is Ruby uninterrupted? Right. And in this episode, you kind of find out who Hippolyta is uninterrupted. Unter- yes. And, yeah. and it, was, it was really cool, really powerful. Yeah, and, and somebody else I was listening to as they were talking about the episode and going through some of the imagery that you find out later on, he came to the conclusion that black women are the beating heart of the universe. And it was really dope. And he pointed out some things that on a rewatch of the episode, I began to notice as well. Things like you see ventricles whenever she travels from place to place. The spaceship looks like a heart. Uh, a bunch of different things like that. And, and when she's posed with the question of who are you, I think you hear like the beating. So it, it was a lot of little things like that that were really right. cool. 
But yeah, I mean, for me personally, this is one of my three favorite episodes. It's not a big discrepancy between one, two, and three. I mean, they're all knocking on the doors of each other. Yeah. This one was definitely up there. This definitely It very is hard. This is, it, it is getting hard to the point where I want to rank them. Yeah, they're all so good at this point. Like, one thing I loved about this episode was Hepalaya's intelligence. Like, it was mind-blowing. And it just brought back to the fact that there was a period of time where black women were the educators. Like they taught, they knew everything. Like they, astrology, math, they, they, they were it. Any research we did on this episode, you found out about great, powerful black women that ruled huge terrains of Africa. And you were like, wow, this is amazing that this one woman accomplished all this. Oh yeah. There's a lot throughout the episode. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost forgotten history. And it's like, this should be prominent. Like, people should know more about this. And how about, like you said, like the, it's almost like the definition of hidden figures. You yeah. know what I mean? We yeah. were hidden figures. It was yeah. easier to say a white, put a white man's name or, or any man's name on it and just cover up the black woman's contribution. That's actually what that one scene reminded me of when Hippolyta was, was in the observatory doing all the, the, the trigonometry, the, mm. the calculus and everything. It reminded me of hidden figures. Yeah. Um, but great episode, like all the episodes, the little black history that they're throwing in there all over the place. It, it's super rewarding because it makes you want to educate yourself on these things. You definitely do. Right. So and like you see the person or you, you know, that you, you're in the event and you're like, I know that's important. I know that's real. Let me see if that was really an actual person or, yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know. Oh, yeah. So. It's, it's great. It's great. Y'all ready to break it down? Go through Absolutely. Let's go. Cool, cool. Okay, so episode starts off with a message from the man on the moon playing by Josephine Baker. And Hippolyte is working with the Ori. And going through, yeah, because it's three days ago. She's mm-hmm. in the ruins of Artem Lodge and she finds the Orinthia Blue comic. Conveniently. Conveniently, of course. Of course. <laughs> in all the rubble. Right. As <laughs> soon as on this one random comic page. Okay. <laughs> as soon as D gets out the car to say, What's this gotta do with Pop's death? That's when she finds it. It's like, it's like is that magic? Like right? that's mighty convenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> so we find out that Hippolyta finds the comic and then we find out that she's been trying to get the Ori to work and she just can't figure it out. Uh, she gets pissed off. She pushes it. And then she kind of like just just gives up on everything and falls to the bed. And that's when she notices that the planets have to be tilted based on how they rotate on their axis. So once she does that, the orrery starts working. It glows and it opens up, revealing a key with coordinates with the message. Every beginning is in time and every limit of extension is in space. What does that mean? Cause I racked my brain on it for about a half yeah, hour. Yeah, I can't even think. figure it out. I was, like, I was right. like, I took a picture of it and I was like reading. I'm like, maybe this is going to come back around at some point. You know, well, so- that's why, like I said, like it's so much of this this episode that I just couldn't even like process. Like I couldn't even. My brain was just not big enough to absorb like, it. Like I, like I, <laughs> I told y'all earlier about the one rabbit hole I went down for <laughs> almost an entire day trying to research. I'm like. Did this happen? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what that means. So, sounds cool. 
wasn't it uh that was an Emmanuel Kant, right? Wasn't he a yes. member of the Enlightened during the Enlightenment? I don't know. Or I know he was a philosopher and all that kind of okay. stuff, right? I mean, you, you're informing me right now. I'm, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I'm conceding to you. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, we get the title sequence and Lovecraft Country, I Am, and we see the orrery in the sequence. And the image we get this week is of Orithia Blue, the character created by D in the first episode for the travel comic that her father, George, used to take with him. All right, so we come back and we come to uh, Ruby and Christina, and we found out we find out that William it's in the basement was in the basement. basement. Yes, <laughs> we find out what was in the basement. Yeah, yes. and, and I believe was, like last week, I'm like, I feel like these people are probably already dead, and they just yeah, break, you know what so, I mean. That's what I was saying the other week, and I'm like, you know, like that was the first time I was like, oh dang, like we you know all these predictions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I remember when in the in the second episode when Letty hits Dale in the head with that shovel, I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, she's dead." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you the... did say that. Yeah, yeah I, I was, I was a little. She probably ain't dead, but yeah, now we know. Okay. Oh yeah, she was done. Letty, Letty, Letty killed right in the head with that. Letty shit. killed somebody. Letty's yeah. a murderer. But do we do we think that that Dale was a different person? Could have been. Good question. Nah. Nah. You think that's when she died? Yeah, I think that's when she died. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. because how long ago did William die? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we don't have good. we don't have a time schedule on that. All we know is that the sh- the sheriff killed him. Yeah. yeah, that's all we know. We find out that Christina's been using William and Dell's blood to make the potion to transform into their physical selves. And Christina tells Ruby of her pursuit of power, basically, and seemingly everything else. Quick question. When she seemingly tells her everything else, you, do we think she told her that, yo, your mom really didn't leave y'all any money? I said that I gave y'all that money? Yes. I think she told her everything. I mean, I think Christina really likes Ruby. I think that's legit. I don't think she's really bullshitting with her. She's definitely trying to use her to her own gains. Her own gains. Yeah, but, but I definitely think that she really likes Ruby. But yeah, I can see, I can see that. But my issue with that is, she said, "I've never lied to you." She was the lie. When yeah. you look at it, she mm. technically sexually assaulted Ruby. She raped her by pretending yeah. to be someone she wasn't. Like that's 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 her taking advantage like that's assault yeah she she definitely wow damn okay regardless of her intentions then yeah she she definitely yeah yeah Yeah. but ruby seems to be okay with it strangely like but um what is that movie there's a a show on hbo that talks about uh, the girl, the British girl, the black girl, the big, the shit's like big legs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what That show, when I tell you as a, as a woman, when I watch that show, it shows all the ways that women have been taken advantage of or assaulted and didn't know okay. and made excuses for it and just, and blamed themselves or just didn't know that they were assaulted. And looking at that show, I'm like, damn, you know, little things like taking the condom off mid-sex, that's assault. Oh, most yeah. definitely. That's What's right. Happening? Like the one girl, they were in Paris and she thought she was having this adventure by having sex with two guys, not knowing that they made a bet previous that they can get her in bed. 
these are all ways of assault. So maybe she didn't even think of it like that. Right, right. Yeah, I see what you mean. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because were they, because it's 1955, so right. is that even something she would have even considered back then? Probably not. You no, know, because she's a black woman in 1955, she's cool what she reported to. I was sitting no, there going, who would believe her? No one would, yeah. yeah. I was going with the idea, alright, you just found out white people got magic, this is trauma, you're not processing the fact that you just got assaulted. Right. Okay, true. True. Like, I already told y'all, white people got magic. No one's trying to deal, comprehend that. <laughs> if, if someone walked in your house right now, Daryl, and said, yo, white people are sorcerers, what are you going to do? I mean, Dan's white, so I'd be like, yo, bro, <laughs> like, let me in on some of that. You know, like, I wouldn't, nah. White people got magic. I mean, shit, they probably do for all we know. <laughs> I mean, I know we got magic, but. Look, look, look at my shirt. Black girl exactly. magic. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Black girls are, are overrunneth with magic. Yes. All right. And speaking about Black girls with magic, Letty's having a dream, just like Atticus, where she's in a house. It's on, She's in Artem Lodge. It's on fire. Hannah, Atticus's ancestor, is in front of her, carrying the book that Atticus never noticed. She's not saying anything to Letty. And Letty catches on fire, but the biggest thing of this whole thing is Letty's pregnant in this dream. So Letty wakes up, clutching the stomach. She goes and talks to Atticus, and they're like a super couple now. Like she yeah. walks in there, he's been he's been up all night figuring, trying to figure shit out, and he's like mad affectionate towards her, which is cool, you know, because he's been like a major dickhead to her in previous episodes. So oh, yeah. I'm not trying to say he's a dickhead. Just dealing with a lot, bro. Come on now, come on. He's been like, he's Atticus ain't shit. All right, and and, 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 and as we know, Atticus got a shitload of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but but see, that's the thing. He acts like, and she said this in in a history of violence. Mm-hmm. He acts like he's the only one going through this shit. I don't know. You know, but I'm just saying. Yeah, he at the same time, you got. A lot of people are contradicting his actions to help them out and get them ahead. Yeah, like yeah. if I'm if I'm trying to get if, if I'm trying to get y'all ten steps forward and you're making me take five steps back every time, like how much more do you think I'm be able to take? It's like, yeah, this is crazy. True, but it's never been her. I'm just saying, like it indirectly. Sometimes she's involved in it. I don't know, man. Atticus ain't shit. But they're a couple now, mad affectionate. Then they see that they both have the same dream. They're comparing notes. And like, like you know, we just said, they start talking about the book of names that Atticus didn't know in all the times he's had this that's, dream. That's crazy. Ancestor. Like, I keep that from the first time we've seen that dream. Right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, and I'm sitting there wondering, why are you running out of burning house with a book? And then you find out later that all right, there was a book of names and every time he had his dream, you see a damn book in her hand. Yeah. And that like, never like registered to him? Nah, because he's he's always asking her questions in his dream instead of just being just like paying no, attention ask, and being yeah. observant. He's asking dumb questions instead I was of about to say Atticus is not the most observant. <laughs> nah. Nah. He's like, Who what, what are you doing? Instead of being like, yo, what's the book about? Like, come on, bro. Yeah, Atticus, he's 
Yo, he's losing points for me as the story goes on. And do you yeah. think that the reason she had the dream was because she has a magical baby possibly going on, growing yep. in her? It's, a, it's, a aunt. it's going to be a part of her bloodline. Yep. Uh, it's the baby's dream. Yeah. Yeah. Because as of right now, Atticus was the last, but he's not the last no more. Should she be pregnant? Which, I mean, I think she pretty much is. All right, so after that scene, oh, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> um, we get, Somebody getting comfortable. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We've got the penguins, baby, let's make some love playing. Everything is good. And it's uh, Sammy and Montrose the morning after. Montrose lets Sammy sleep over. Sammy's in the kitchen cooking breakfast. Montrose comes out, shirt open. Uh, he's grateful ass. He's chilling. He's feeling good. Then uh, the record stops, and Sammy says, can you put, what is it, drop the needle on that record for me? Yeah. So he's like, yes, sir. Drops the needle. Now, this is what's interesting. Besame Mucho, this time, by Josephine Alexander is playing. This played in, in the last episode. Yeah, right. And Is this the, their song? Well, this is what, what I found interesting. <laughs> because... The, the, the tempo at which it was playing in, in Meet Me in, in Daegu, it was it, the way it was played. Because the lyrics are basically about um, a night of passion, that fear of the next day, because it'll never happen again, you know? So, like, in the context of the last episode, it was that, all about that night of passion, because the next day ain't going to happen because you're about to get killed. Yeah, in this one, when it plays, it's it's that fear of this fight because even even the song itself, it's more it's a more somber tone comes over and the entire mood of the room changes because when Baby Let's Make Some Love is playing, oh Sammy's whipping it up in the kitchen and everything is good, but then when this song comes on and it's a little slower and a little sadder, it's like dun dun dun. Every, everything gets gets turned. The re- reality turned. comes checks in. It's like, oh. yeah, and then and then Montrose, who ain't shit, just like his son ain't shit. He's uh, ungrateful ass. Go, he treats Sammy like shit. Now, like well, Montrose, Montrose don't deserve Sammy. Sammy. Yeah, Montrose yeah. deserves Sammy. Yeah, Sam. All Sammy wanted some love. Sammy has been open with this dude, and Montrose because of his insecurities and because of basically the way he was brought up. He can't accept it, and he always fights back against it. Right. Um, I feel like he can't accept Sammy accepting who he is. I feel like he can't accept who he is. You know what I mean? And that's what resorts to that that fight, you know, that fighting back, that abuse, like, you know, that just self-loathing. Every moment Montrose has with Sammy, his father's voice is in the back of his head. Once the idea that someone... Someone outside of them can see, right? And it's it's a shame because he, you know, like I said, he let his guard down for that mm-hmm. moment and just, you know, was enjoying it. And then the reality kicked in, like somebody could see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that Besame Mucho is playing that leads to that argument. Uh, Montrose don't like pork. He wanted beef sausage. I bet he did. <laughs> Bro. Like, but like Sammy said, like uh, pork. I mean, beef sausage. Where you getting that at? <laughs> yeah, right. He likes his grits firm. And, and what Sammy was like, "What you gonna complain about next? The coffee's too wet." That was no, funny. Got too I was much like, sugar in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, too much uh, sugar, and that pissed Sammy off. He gets yeah. up. 
he's leaving the apartment. Montrose, because Montrose does have feelings for Sammy, goes after him, grabs him, and as he grabs him, yo, you let him walk down the hall. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I screamed. I screamed. Oh. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, finally. I clutched the 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 sides of the chair. I saw oh, shit. <laughs> I clutched my pearls, okay? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I was like, it's about to go down. <laughs> yes, yes. Tick slowly walks up to Montrose. Like, says, what the hell is this? <laughs> says, it's true, isn't it? And then he said that you're a faggot. He called his father a faggot. Yeah. Um, that was tough do. because it's like, all right, Atticus is the hero of the story. You, and, and, and like... That was something that I was wondering, and I think we talked about it before. Right. How he would respond once he found out. Right. And I was like, it's 2020. Are they really gonna like take it there? And they, they really took did. it. Yeah. They really and, did. But, and then like I predicted too that he would be hurt. Yes. Knowing he that how he was treated and how his father beat him. And you know what I mean? Like I definitely figured he would be hurt about finding that out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't I, expect him to call him a faggot, but Yeah, that yeah. I was ooh. Yeah, that was I vicious. seen that coming. I was like, oh. Yeah. F word's about to come out. <laughs> yeah, that was vicious. Like F word is about to come out. Then he dropped it. I was like, ooh. And then and, the other F word came out. And then I'm still your father. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, after, wait, what? After, oh, why after, he had to take his shirt off? Yeah, right. Because he had Girl. the flex on him. He had to let him know. He had to let him know. If I thought he was about to spit on his hand again. I'm like, no, oh, oh, nah, nah, come on, man. come on. Nah. Oh no. And he well, didn't tell all, he already know his he, son he, done already hemmed him he, up. Okay. You never know. You never know a Montrose man. You never know a Montrose. Nah. He told you. Like he drops surprises every time he's on screen. He told Tick he's still his goddamn daddy. That's what he told him. Mm-hmm. And he took his shirt off because he was about to fuck him up if he had to. But Tick would have beat his ass. If I was about to say, we, yeah, come on now. Right. Are we And Omar could have came out. Omar ain't nothing without that shotgun. Come on now. True. <laughs> Omar come through. It. But yeah, Tick did take his pop's gun. So ain't no gun in the house now. Yeah. But the worst part about it was Tick asked his father if his mom knew. Mm-hmm. And Montrose said, yeah. But we knew that. Yeah, yeah we, we knew that. But yeah. for, for Tick, this is, damn, what, what can I trust? You know what I mean? Right. It's like, he's supposed to be the bad guy, not her. And, and this is what he's confronted with. So now it's like, he's, he's having an identity crisis at this point. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And like, my thing is, did she know before or after she got pregnant? Because I, I think she. Knew. I think before. Because why? That's kind of crazy that's, that you would bring a child into that kind of situation. Like, that's something Daryl talked about before. Like when they were kids and they were all best friends. She always knew. In order to protect him from his dad, right. she married him. So. Yeah, but I mean, it's like people don't realize the, the impact they have on their children. Like, why would you? I don't know. I just I don't. I would same, bring a child into a situation like that. That's unfair. at the same time we we can look we can look at that now, like 2020, and like, oh, this makes common sense. We wouldn't do nothing do nothing like that. But in 1950, it's like, 
I don't think that that mindset would have been there. Uh, I think at that point it was just for Montrose Surv- self survival. Survival, yeah, That's it was more survival. Say. So, like, was 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 Tick on purpose? Was it just a cover to further cover, you know, his lifestyle? You know what I mean? His true lifestyle, like, you know, was Tick just a cover to to add to the illusion? I would say Tick was just a cover. Honestly, yeah. Not, and I don't think that means that Montrose loved him any less once he had him. Because I do think, I think that Montrose genuinely loves his son. I think he yeah. genuinely does. And I, I just think that, I think that he, he beat him because I think he saw so much of himself in him. That, that the, the parts about him that Uncle George always said were so, so beautiful, the loving and all of this. I think that he felt that he got beat for that. He saw his son with those same qualities. Maybe not the, the homosexual qualities, but the, the loving, the caring and all of that. And he was like, no, I, this isn't acceptable. It's that generation. I mean, term. like he may have loved him, but if, my, if, if Tick didn't feel that love and all he felt was the humility, yeah, he's going to grow up as an angry adult. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that study yeah. show that leads to that. So it's like, it's, your love is a reflection, you know what I mean? Like his love is a re- reflection mm-hmm. for Tick and Tick doesn't feel that love. So what, if he didn't feel love, was he loved? We got to look at the fact that as a kid, he was in a war zone with his father. He left one war zone to go to another. Yeah. Like Tick is all messed up in the head. Oh yeah. He's oh, PTSD cool. for real. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he's dealt with a lot of trauma. I mean, he storms off from, from up there with his father and, and, and Letty. And he's outside kicking the bench, and then Letty goes after him, and, and she's trying to talk him down. But saying, Letty proceeds cautiously because she has that little fear oh, yeah. in her still from him. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Seeing that other side. And if you notice how she kind of is a little, like, trying to talk him down a little bit, like, she get herself together, like, mm-hmm. give him a minute, like, let me see where he's going with this. And then, you know, then she tries to get in there and talk him down, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he explains that, that it's and it's the what you said that confusion that that he got beat all this time, and in his mind it was because he his father cared for him. But now he's finding out it wasn't because he thought that he was soft. It's because he was the one that was yeah. soft. Yeah, it, it really kind of hurt me when he was saying, like when he was going through it, and he was like whooping my ass, beating my ass, whooping. Like you know what I mean? It was yeah. just like you can kind of fe- see his pain. He was hurt because he realized his father was projecting that whole time. Right. Right. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. And then after that, um, uh, Tick has the audacity to go up to Aunt Hippolyta as she's pulling out in Woody to ask her for the car. Like, bro, you see her pulling out and they're going to ask her if she's going somewhere. Tick and Letty needed the car to go to St. Louis to see Osberta, a a friend of Tick's mother's cousin Ethel. Right. Right. So they go up to Aunt Hippolyta. Uh, Tick is like, yo, can we use the car for a couple of days, even though you're going somewhere right now? Yeah, and, she was so annoyed. She right. Like, Back and, up. <laughs> and then something that actually she's going to say later about get, shrinking herself. We see Atticus basically attempt to shrink her yeah. and, and say to her, Ask her where she's going, 
And then she says a guy tricked, which she didn't have to answer his ass. Yeah. And then he says that a printing just went out. Uncle George wouldn't want you on the road. Like, Negro, you're not her husband. You're not her father. <laughs> Who the hell are you to be saying shit like this to her? You know, and she responded appropriately. She she said that I don't have to answer to you. Back up. And then she left. But um, my only concern was that, like, I know she's angry and I know that kind of fueled her trip and everything. But at the same time, like, we have to think logically. We are in the 50s. You are a, a female, a black female at that. And you're just traveling around by yourself. Like, that, that be, is a little concerning. Listen, I mean, when she was do a lot of irrational things. When she was driving around with her daughter by herself, I thought that was a rash. Yeah, definitely. Oh. Yeah, D was like, yo, we shouldn't be here. Right. He was like, let's go. Like I said, I get that she's, like, all, you know, she's angry and she's all about doing it herself, but it's, you know, like, she wasn't smart. In, like, <laughs> inadvertently, because Hepaliah did that, she's going to put her daughter in predicament okay. by her actions. Yeah. Possibly. Like, 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 you're driving, like, for all you know, what you're told is that a sheriff shot your husband. Now you're driving in an area where maybe your husband was shot with your daughter, and you think that that's okay? And right. you're traveling at night. And, yeah, and you like, know? none of this is going through your head that I have to protect my daughter. These are some... some... I mean, I've done some, some irresponsible things in a rage <laughs> that, yeah. that I look back on now. I was like, yeah, I might not have been smart. <laughs> might not have been smart to do. <laughs> Yeah, all these characters do. They're the smartest, most irrational Negroes I've ever seen. Mm. Like, yes, they're, they're all over the place. Um, they steal from one another. They don't go to work. Oh, and and I love that that actually came up. Thank you, God. Someone finally said this. Yeah. Like, I've been talking about this for weeks. And I'm like, <laughs> no one's bringing this up. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you ain't got no job, man. That's right. <laughs> he got no job. He helps out around the house. Yeah, I bet. I bet he does. <laughs> he, he's Listen, a real handyman. Helping her keep calm is helping out around the house. Right, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that part, um, Hippolyta takes off. She's going to Mayfield, Kansas. and Very t- important. And Tick and Letty and Tick and Letty don't have a ride to uh, St. Louis. So they decide we're going to take the Greyhound. We can pack a bag. And How many Letty, hours is the Greyhound going to take, by the way? Up from, from Illinois? Oh, I don't know. He said they he may said be was, able to get there by nighttime. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. know it's a three-hour drive. Yeah, it's a okay. three-hour drive by car. On the bus. On a bus. They may be able to get there by nighttime. This is very important for later. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> They're having this conversation about taking the Greyhound to St. Louis, but Letty sees Ruby is babysitting D. And Atticus is like, look, if you want to talk to your sister, get your shit straight, because my shit is crazy, you go do that. I'll go take the Greyhound myself, and I'll be okay. So Letty's like, all right, cool. You do that. She goes and talks to Ruby, and we go to... Oh, we go to Aunt Hippolyta on the road. Now... Wait, but can we first say how Ruby got like a whole new air about herself? Oh yeah, like, yeah. She's yeah. chilling, like she's all confident. She got a whole new vibe. She's oh yeah, just, you know. 
Oh yeah. Oh, I was definitely going to touch you on her with the red shorts and the sunglasses. Yeah. in the window. Yeah. yeah. Ruby's fly as hell. Um, yeah. 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 And that's, that's what, what, going back to what you said, Sean. Like, I'm wondering if Christina did tell her that the money came from her and not the mom, and maybe that's why it might have been a little easier for her to forgive Letty, or you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, if you if you uh, look at their interactions with each other, Letty and Ruby throughout the entire episode, Ruby's like, waiting for her to tell her something. Yeah, she's like, "Oh, why didn't you go?" She's right. always digging but a like, little. Do we think she's spying or? No, I, I think she wants Letty to tell. I think Ruby wants Letty to tell her what's going on. Like she want to hear yeah. it out of her sister's mouth. Like you're and beating around the bush. Did Christina skew? whatever she told her because no, I'm kind of leaning with to what Daryl said I think Christina really does have some type of feelings for her and she told her everything like she literally well, why did she say to her then it's about your family how because is it about, because how is it about her family because she got Letty involved because Letty's involved oh, okay I think Christina... I just hope that she didn't I make think... them out to be the bad guys and now she's recruiting Ruby to mm. help her get the pages or whatever I think she said it's about your family because I think Christina knows that Letty's pregnant. I think Christina probably has something to do with it. And I think Christina told Ruby about it because as soon as the shit with the garlic happened, she was like, unless you're pregnant with junior, Mr. Fix it. And didn't say it like shocked or anything was just, she just kept doing what she was just doing. Said it matter of factly, yeah. So like put it in Letty's head. Yeah. So, but we're not there yet, all right? Because there's a couple right. cool, there's a couple cool things that happen. Hippolyta is going to Mayfield, and P.L. Canella by Josephine Baker is playing, and this is really cool because, and I noticed her by her blue motorcycle, mm-hmm. uh, Bessie Stringfield. Right. Like that was super cool. Like I used to be obsessed with super dave osborne i was obsessed with people with motorcycles and stuff i was obsessed with happy the fonds and happy days um mm-hmm. just like that. so motorcycles were a big thing for me and i always knew harleys were big and i would say my family uh raised me pretty aware of things and i've always been a researcher so the bessie stringfield thing was really cool because she was the first black woman to ride across the u.s solo black person black person to ride yeah. across the u.s solo and she was also a dispatcher, I believe, mm-hmm. um, in the, in the, what was she a dispatcher? In the army, I think it was. But it was really cool seeing her. And, and the visual of her is kind of foreshadowed what was going to happen with Hippolyta on this journey, you know, yes. by herself now. Now she's going on her adventure. So that was really cool. Um, and a, a, another thing that I liked was before Hippolyta left, she tried to go over the checklist with D and D was like, we don't need to go over the stupid checklist. It's all mm-hmm. there. So as Hippolyta's driving, she reaches for a sandwich. And what does she see? The latest issue of Arithia Blue by okay. D. So that was really cool. I really, really loved that. That even though she lost her father, even though she's still bummed about shit, she's still doing that comic, you know? Okay. So that, that was really cool. Then we find out, uh, we go to Tick, and he's finally arrived in St. Louis, and he's with his his cousin, his cousin Ethel's. Is this her girlfriend, Miss Alberta? No, they're her friend. I mean, they they're a friend. Were served on the Deacon board together, and then they both died, right? 
Yeah. yeah. And then Ethel was like, um, this life for us old gals ain't it. And then they moved in together. They just was friends. Yeah. They just moved just in. Friends. Just okay. Yeah, just okay. Okay. They didn't want to live. They didn't want to live alone. All right. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of sexual freedom in this show. So very much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But okay. So I wouldn't put it past them. Okay. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's how I was going. I'm like, I mean, I would think it's just because I mean, it happened. The the people that my mom brought her house from, it was two older ladies who lived together, sisters, and they just were together because their husbands mm-hmm. died and they just didn't mm-hmm. want to be alone. So they lived together forever. So I thought of it like that, but then again, like Sean said, you can't put anything past this show. So who knows? All right. So I'm not reaching. Okay. No, I ain't reaching. I ain't, I ain't gonna put it past nobody. Okay. All right. So Tick is there because he's looking for the book of names now that Letty pointed it out from the dream that she remembers. Because he's um, an idiot. Because he's an idiot. And Miss Miss Abert Miss Osberta. She says that she heard something about a family book. She always thought it was a photo album, but that it burned in the fire in Tulsa. Um, this actually comes up a lot. The Tulsa said the white people burned. Yeah, everything. the white people burned. Burned everything. There's actually that, comes up a lot in the series, yeah. the, the Tulsa massacre. So I'm wondering if they're actually going to go to Tulsa, actually show a flashback episode of things that happened there. Because it's it's this what like the third time it's come up. So hold on to get back to that one part when the late when she was like the white people burned everything. Because me and my roommate was talking about it. I'm like, yo, that was a huge powerful statement because I was having a conversation about the with the library of Alexander. I'm like, that was one of the greatest crimes in history. That sets human civilization back almost two thousand years because. Most of the scriptures in there were Muslim, like they, they of of doctors. Like Library of Alexander was the first college, first hospital. Most of the knowledge in there came from Muslims. Like when you look at uh, was it algebra? Algebra came from Muslims. Hmm. It came from Moors. Okay. So it's like all that history, all that knowledge about how to build pyramids, medicine, all that shit was gone in one snap of a finger. That was a very powerful statement for me. It just made me think about history. I'm like, how much knowledge of history was gone because some white people came and invaded yeah yeah oh yeah all over the world assimilation <laughs> mm-hmm. so tick's there to get the book he's asking he's talking miss berta about it um she's uh basically said it was burning tulsa then we go to hippolyta finally arriving to the observatory to where the coordinates uh sends her when she goes in she sees a machine and she's trying to get it to start. She gets it to start after inserting the key that she got out of the orrery. And a whole bunch of numbers and, and gizmos off, a whole bunch of stuff. So she, what is it? What is it? Mass radius. What else was it? She, she. It mass radius and. I remember her saying it, but I don't remember what she said. Three of us and none of us yeah. wrote this down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I know this is going to be important. I started to write it down and then <laughs> I did it. <laughs> so she's sitting there. She's trying to figure it out. Eventually, she, she gets all hidden figures. Because that whole scene was just the whole beautiful mind thing. I'm just yeah, like, all right, yeah. this is above me now. Like, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even going to try to understand what's happening. <laughs> 
So Hippolyte is sitting there. She got the numbers going on in her head. We're seeing them on the screen in all types of colors. That was um, reflecting her intelligence. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Pretty much. They was like, look how smart she is. Mm-hmm. So she gets the machine working, and as she's starting up, some cops are out. Letty's in the house with D and the kids. Yeah, because they're playing spades. And then mm-hmm. one of the kids is like, "Where? when's Bobo coming home? Because I'm like, yo, Bobo's not coming home. Yeah, like, Bobo ain't coming home. Oh, God. Mentioning that was just so somber. and just right? yeah, he, Bobo ain't coming like, home. Like, oh. And mm-hmm. they're wondering, are they asking about dinner? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yes. She, the one girl says, I'm hungry. And then Letty goes and says, let me go check on dinner. So Letty goes and checks on dinner. She talks to Ruby. And while she's in the kitchen with Ruby, Ruby's asking her why you didn't go with... But wait, you see how quick Ruby changed the subject and deflected when and when Letty was asking her where she was staying? Yeah. And, you know, you stand with a white man and she just deflected and, like, changed it over to her. Oh, yeah. Talking about, let's talk about Mr. Fix-It. Yeah. Uh, that. Does this yeah. Negro have a job yet? Uh, how's he paying rent? Broke ass. You know, so... Yeah, she quickly deflects it and and then asks her why she didn't go on the trip as well. Mm-hmm. But he says, I have family business to handle here. To which Ruby's like, come try this sauce out. Before she can even try the sauce, she gets a whiff of that garlic and she gets nauseous immediately. Mm-hmm. Ruby's like, yo, what the hell's going on? You love garlic. She's like, must be developing an allergy. Ruby, quickly. Or you're pregnant with Junior Mr. Fix-It. I think she went there because she knows. I, I think that Christina already informed her that this is the case. And I, I don't I don't know. So, something's going to happen. Something's going to mm-hmm. happen. Will the baby be born before the end of this season? There's only three episodes left. I mean, that's a magic like, baby that's going to come. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of I magic mean, babies. That's, <laughs> that's, a, See, that's, that's a lot to fit nine months. See, like, <laughs> quick question. In, in the books, like, I probably should be asking this. Is there a baby? No, no. I already told you. There's a bunch of stuff that's, that's just See, not I'm, That's why I'm like, yeah, is there, there going to be a season two or just going to be no, one miniseries? That's why so I'm looking at the pacing. I'm like, there's so, if, I don't know how it's going to end, but I feel like there's so many ways that this can go. Yeah, but there's also time jumps in between the episodes mm. because in between episodes two and three, I want to say like a month goes by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is some time jumps. Yeah, because Atticus didn't go to work, call work in a month. Like, right. right. He's only supposed to be gone for a few days. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I will be honest with you. Before, I definitely wanted just a mini series, a limited series. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll take three seasons. I don't want anything more than that. I want them yeah. to have a, a, a clear purpose for this series. I don't want them to just be doing it for ratings. Mm-hmm. Neither. So if, if they can do that and not Game of Thrones it, then I'm all for it continuing. Listen, but Game of Thrones is the goddamn day in a day's fault. Moving on. <laughs> right. Let's, Let's keep going. I shouldn't even mention it. We ain't going to get into it. I'm just saying, was, it wasn't HBO fault. The hell was I thinking? So uh, Letty goes to the room because she's feeling nauseous. She needs some air, opens up a window, takes a couple breaths. And she sees the orrery in Hippolyta's room. Now she's calling Tick in St. Louis. I guess I guess she's just going to use up uh, Hippolyta's long distance minutes. And she tells Tick, yo, the orrery's here. Hippolyta went on that trip. I think she knows something. And Tick's like, she might be in trouble. 
let me get get from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, all the way to Mayfield, Kansas, as soon as possible to save her. So they hang up the phone. As she's on the phone, Ruby's listening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we go to Hippolyta in the observatory. She gets it to work. She hears some cops come and she hides, jumps in the back of it. Cops walk in. They're Such like, a good oh, hiding Captain space. Captain Lancaster's <laughs> men come in. They find her immediately. And they're like, what do they say? Yo, gal, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she's like, I was just driving. Don't know how I got here. <laughs> like, bullshit excuse. Horrible. Yeah. And then they hear some rustling going on outside. And like the black superhero that he is, Tick comes bursting through, jumps over the railing, tackles one cop. I don't know why the other one didn't shoot him immediately. Knocks the one guy out. As the the other cop points his gun towards Tick, Hippolyta tries to get it from him. He smacks her with the gun. And then that's when the portal opens. He shoots the machine when she grabs the gun and it fires. So, and that was my question is, okay, the machine is malfunctioning. That's why all those portals were opening like that. Like, I wonder how it was supposed to have functioned. Yeah. If, because she got it to work. Like, if she had a little bit more time, she would have right. been able to figure out how to navigate. Yeah. Right. That's what she would have been able to actually punch, punch exact coordinates and be somewhere. Right. Yeah. So after that happens... Uh, and let's not glaze over that seven-hour movie m- movie magic lapse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. From, yeah from, but we don't know how long Hippolyta was there trying to figure that out. Yeah. I, I, we're not rationalizing this. <laughs> That's <laughs> physically... We're not rationalizing this, guys. There's physically no way he got away from Kansas to St. Louis in a matter of a phone call. Yeah. He had to have been on the road while she was on the road to the observatory. He had to have been following behind her not that far. It had like to not, None of that makes any sense because she left town before him to go straight to the observatory. He went to Kansas no, later. She went, she went to Kansas. He went to yeah, St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he went to St. Louis. So he got there late. She went straight to Kansas. Right. So how the hell she arrives in Kansas – like, we can pull this up on GPS. How the hell she arrives in Kansas within a matter of, let's say, an hour. Let's, let's be generous. Of her playing with that machine, cops walk in, black Superman comes flying down the steps. Okay. Now, see, I think this is where it's an issue with, with the way this, this, this part of the story was told. Mm-hmm. Because, but there's no way you could have illustrated it so it would have been as effective. You know what I mean? Because... It had to have been, because how far is Mayfield? Okay, we, we, we can do this off camera, all right? Because we, mm-hmm. we're getting way too into this. Um, it definitely didn't make sense how he arrived there so fast. But, I mean, the only way it could have happened is if she left for Kansas before him, he goes to St. Louis. I said we're going to get off this, and now here I go. I was about to say, Sean <laughs> basically said we're not going to rationalize it, and then we continue to try to rationalize yeah. it. No, I'm not <laughs> rationalizing this. I'm like, yeah. that didn't make sense. <laughs> All right. So they beat up the two cops. Hippolyta kills one of them, and, and Tick throws the other into the portal. He grabs the gun from Hippolyta's hand slowly because he don't want that to go off and himself get shot. And then she gets sucked into the portal, and he does as well, but we don't really see it. 
We, we clearly see her get sucked in mm. because we, we follow her. Once she gets sucked in, she lands on a, um, a planet that's, that's not in our solar system. And she pretty much gets abducted. By the Tron bots appear. The Tron bots. <laughs> the Tron bots appear. They pretty much abduct her. She wakes up nude with like a jumpsuit right there next to her to, to put on. Do we think she was probed? I was going to ask that question. I was going to ask, like, yo, do you think she's proof? Oh, yeah. When we watched this Sunday, I wanted to text that. (laughs) (laughs) She was definitely proof. She gets up, she puts on the jumpsuit, and then she's met by um, a character that's named Serafina. Also known as Beyond Set. Also known as Shibabot. She the Shibabot. <laughs> with with her her bomb ass Afro futuristic Afro. That shit is fly. Right? I'm just saying. She looked kind of like Show Nuff from uh what is it? What is it? the last dragon? Yeah. <laughs> Show Nuff. And she what what happens? She 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 asked Apply to something. Who are you? Or, or who are maybe, you? Yeah, who are you? And then Hippolyta, you know, she wants out. She's in prison. And Serafina's like, nah, you're not in prison. Where do you want to be? And basically blows her away. Leaves her in the, and the door closes. And Hippolyta's losing her shit. She's going stir crazy. She's banging on the wall. I mean, is she going stir crazy? Or is she? she- yeah, that's what I thought at first. But listening mm-hmm. to her, she was loud. She was trying to you know, rationalize where she was, mm-hmm. get a hold of herself and, you know, think about it logically and yeah. doing her assessments and, you know what I mean? Just breaking down everything mathematically as she would do. Right. So, so yeah, she's, she's, so she's, she's still sane. She's okay. just like, yo, I got to get the hell out of here. And then um, Serafina comes back in. This time she, she, I guess, restrains Hippolyta. And then tells her to name herself. Hippolyta cracks the fuck up. And she's like, where do you want to be? And then Hippolyta jokingly is like in France dancing with Josephine Baker. Mm-hmm. And just like that, she's transported to France with Josephine Baker, who was a spy for the French resistance during World War II and was also an entertainer and was also the only female to speak at the March in Washington with Dr. King. Josephine Baker moved to France when she was a kid by herself, I believe, and pretty much made a name for herself over there. And, and it was cool. She's the first person that um, Hippolyta comes across in this whole journey. And I remember watching the Josephine Baker story when I was younger. So I, I knew who she was, but I did not know all that. Like, you know, how she was correspondent for the French, you know, French mm-hmm. um, intelligence. And I didn't know, I only, the relationship between her and Frida Kahlo. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I had no idea. <laughs> Neither did I, until seeing this and, and looking at some research. Yeah, because that, um, that was really cool. That was actually something I was going to touch on later on when Frida Kahlo makes that toast. And, yeah, because uh, really- at first I didn't realize that's who it was, because on the second watch, because, you know, how the, I guess you were supposed to know mm-hmm. because of the way her hair was and the yeah. You know what I mean? And my, my son actually just did a report on Frida Kahlo. So that's the kind of what I'm like, wait. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, wow. I had no mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, I dated a girl who was all into Frida Kahlo. Still, she's still in. So so I knew about about some things about her. Like 
when I saw that she was dressed as a man, I knew, oh, Frida Kahlo used to cross dress. <laughs> yeah. So I, I picked up on little things like that. But that was super dope. Seeing yeah, definitely. And um, when Hippolyta arrives, she's one of the dancers for Josephine Baker in Charleston's playing by the Paul Whiteman Orchestra. After it's playing, like, like Hippolyta's like, where am I? She, like, she couldn't, she couldn't believe she was actually there. Right. So she's messing up the steps. I mean, she don't even know the steps. Why um, do you think um, uh, Josephine Baker looked at her like that? Like, do you think it was just like where she come from? Or it was almost like a familiarity. Like she was looking at her like, oh, you're here. Or, you know what I mean? I don't know yeah. what that was about. Mm. I feel like when Hippolyta uses a machine and she steps back in that time period, it does something with time and she's supposed to be there. Right. Okay. Like she always were, like she always was there. That's what I got from um from Josephine Baker the way she yeah. looked at her. It was like, oh, like you're here. Like you know yeah, what I mean? Like, like whatever know. she did, it put her in that time for in that time in that time space. But she always was there. Mm-hmm. So she's quantum leaping. Yeah. Okay. Right. That makes sense. That's that's definitely what I gather from it as well. Is mm-hmm. is she's she's quantum leaping, especially later on. So she's messing up the steps. The other dancers are like, yo, you're fucking shit up. Why are you here? You need to get it together. And then Josephine Baker talks to her and she's like, yo, you got to loosen up. Like, you got to you gotta relax. And that's something that Hippolyta has pretty much never done. She's right. never like really just relaxed and, and been herself. And we learned that um, Josephine Baker was like from mm-hmm. St. Louis or whatever. Didn't she say she was performing in St. Louis or something? St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Now, Which, how many days was Hippolyta there? I don't think time matters, really. Yeah, I don't point. think time matters, but it does. I think she was there for a period of time. She, she was there, there for a long stretch. time. Yeah, yeah. In, yeah. That, in that time period, she was there for a long time, but in hours, she was probably... It, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. it's, it's, But in that period of time frame... As far as for herself, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because she'll probably come back, and it'll be like she left the same day. Yeah, it'd be like same day, but for herself in that time frame, how many days do we think she was there? It felt like, like when you're looking at the bottom and you look at that number and it's constantly rising, I was looking at those as days. Yeah, I, I, she was definitely there for a while because while Lady Marmalade was playing, she was flirting with men and women. She's mm-hmm. smoking. She's sniffing cocaine. Hippolyta she was like knows it. everybody now. Like oh. she's. She was living it up. Like. So I'm just going to bring up a little crude thing that I noticed. <laughs> I couldn't help but notice it. When she first got there and she was messing up on the steps and then they ripped their bras off, the girl next to her nipples <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> like they, were like, they were like the tip of my index finger sticking out. I was like, what's <laughs> I'm sorry. I said this. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of upset that I didn't catch that. Now. Yo, if you go back and watch, well, you I'm have to. Pe- now I'm going to go peep that scene and just you see what you're to. talking about. <laughs> I caught it every time. All right, <laughs> let's keep like, going. <laughs> I, I watched this shit. I watched it three episodes, but I was more intrigued by the numbers at the bottom of the screen. Like, yo, oh, how yeah. many days is she there for? I, yeah, I kept trying to figure those out. I just gave up. I was like, whatever. Ride yeah. the wave. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I knew their um, coordinates, but I'm like, yo, she's there for days now at this point. It's starting to – she's been there for a month. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was there for a while. She was there yeah. for a while. There for a while, have, living a good life, um, mm-hmm. doing all that sinning. 
And um, Frida Kahlo makes a toast to the girls knowing when to celebrate and knowing when to destroy. And when she makes this toast, like, this is really cool. Like, Josephine Baker has pretty much become, like, Hippolyta's mentor now. Mm. And she's talking about how she feels that, Josephine Baker feels that she's she's definitely a star, but not in the case of, like, on a big screen. A star is in burning bright, and, and mm. even though... I love that. I love the way you yeah. described that. She's, you know, and already extinguished, you know, yeah. like, she, and then... She says to Hippolyta, like, you felt that too. Mm-hmm. And and Hippolyta delivers, like, every episode, this show delivers at least two pieces of dialogue where I'm like, fuck, that yeah. was good. Yeah. And, that, and, that scene almost brought tears to my eyes, absolutely. Right? Because, yeah. because living in this life now, Hippolyta, she sees what she's been missing. Mm-hmm. You know, that freedom that she never allowed herself to have. Right. And and when she says that the exact kind of she feels that she's the exact kind of Negro woman white folks wanted her to be, and she feels like they found a smart way to lynch her without her noticing the noose. Yeah. Like fuck. Like that is like that hurts. Like, like message. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Definitely. And it's it's I'm not a black woman. I'm a black man. And even as a black man, I know what it's like to be young, have aspirations, and then, I mean, any person knows what it's like to be young and have aspirations, and life just beats you down. Yeah. Tears those dreams away, you know? And for, I would say, people of color in particular, black men, and particularly black women, it's Mm -hmm. tenfold, because on top of life breaking you down all the time, it's the expense of the color of your skin breaking you down as well. Right. So it's so for her to say that, and then to have the, the the, and she says that she she hates them, and she, sometimes she wants to kill white people, and then the self hate for allowing them to do that to her. Right. It's like fuck. Like it hits home. Yeah. Yeah. And is and is relevant today. Right. Is that's tough. I mean, it says something relevant over 50 years ago, still relevant today. Mm-hmm. When I guess it was left up to interpretation when she said, and I hate, and then she didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, I'm like, who, who could, who else could she hate? And I'm just like, I'm wondering if it was George for hating that she allowed him to participate in her shrinkage. That was something I actually mentioned in the first episode when, when she presented the idea of going on one of the trips mm-hmm. and George shot it down immediately. You know, it's like he was stifling her. Right. You know, and, and that was something that, that wasn't fair to her. Yeah, that, it was, that, that's, a, that's a super powerful statement. Um, yeah. yeah, this show does it every week. Every week. Damn. All right. Let's liven up this somber tone. Um, <laughs> after after um, she basically breaks down to Josephine Baker the way she feels about everything and then about herself, Josephine asks her, well, who are you, Miss Hippolyta? And she responds, I am Hippolyta. And she screams it out. And it reminded me of um, A History of Violence when they're at the museum, when they're in the... the um, 
what's it called? Not it's planetarium or yeah, it's a planetarium. It's a planetarium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're and she's with D, and they're looking up at the stars and everything to point out the constellations. And mm-hmm. when she whispers to D that she basically discovered that she named that, like D screamed it out. Right. You know, because the world hasn't broken D down yet. She right. still has all of that bravado and all of that still going, going right. for her. So when you when I heard her yell, I am Hippolyta this time with Josephine Baker, it was like, okay, she's gotten her voice back. So right. then she gets transported to Benin, and this is where she's with the the minnow or the Dahomey Amazons, as the Europeans called them. And they were established between 1645 and 1685, and they lasted until 1904. They're basically the precursors or the inspiration to the Dora Milaje and the Black Panther um, comic series and movies. And um, all-female... Amazon Warriors. Amazon Warriors, yeah. Yeah. And the one that we meet talking is Naui, the great warrior. Um, mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. she's basically teaching Hippolyta, Hippolyta how to fight, and she's beating her ass. Right. And she gives, a, she gives another great piece of dialogue. You are here because you did not believe them. Your whole life they told you you were free. And when they said that they meant you were free, to cook their food, free to raise children their children, free to work for them. They even lied to you and told you you were free to run the world. But it is still their world. You are here because you knew that a whole day off of was the freedom that a well-kept slave could ever ask for. Now I cannot tell you what true freedom is. You have got to find that for yourself. But today, you are still too afraid to go looking. But I now we will strip that fear away one blow at a time. Now get the fuck up and raise your sword. That one line that she said, and when she said all they offer was the freedom that a well-kept slave could ask for, mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of like was like, damn, like, <laughs> right? <It's-> like. <laughs> Oh my! I don't like. I said. I. It's I tough. just. I knew. It's I. Tough. I knew how it made me feel. I didn't know how to. Like I didn't know how to say it. Like I just was like right. Like all I could say is right. Like oh my god. Oh yeah, it's it's such a relevant episode. Like it's it's this episode was definitely a love letter to Black. Um, yeah, it definitely was. It definitely was. It definitely was, and I was all here for it. I'm gonna watch it again when we're done recording. Um, Catch those nips. Oh yeah, that's a dirty. Oh, yeah. That's a dirty <laughs> ball <laughs> for. What? Shoot, that was the first thing I noticed. Um, <laughs> like I missed it three times, bro. Like I was all at the numbers. I'm like, these numbers mean something. That you won't miss. And I was thinking, time. like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, we're gonna get to the podcast. I'm the only one not gonna know what these fucking numbers mean. <laughs> I start yeah. going down rabbit holes. I'm like, oh man, I need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was at like. I, when I first seen it, I'm like, oh, that's the Amazons. That's the black Amazons. I'm like, all right, cool. But then I looked at the coordinates. I'm like, all right, this shit don't make no sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I'm like, those look like Confederate soldiers. I'm like, all right, now I got to do this fucking research. 
literally for hours. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm like, I can't find this at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You should have gave up on those coordinates, man. Just yeah, go man. Just go for the ride. Because <laughs> I couldn't enjoy it. You know, like with that weighing on me, like I got to figure, I couldn't just sit back and enjoy it. Like at that point, when I was trying to like make sense of it and I couldn't, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, forget it. I'm, I'm done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I looked at them out of the corner of my eye, but then I was like, come on, now. there's too much shit going on. There are lights in the board there. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Say, here we go. Come on now. <laughs> All right. So um, now he gives this great speech as she's beating Hippolyta's ass. And just like in uh, France with Josephine Baker, I'm guessing Hippolyta was, was in Benin for a prolonged period of time because you see her skills increasing. Yeah, um, she progressing. More, yeah, the more Nawi's sparring with her. So the point where she eventually defeats Nawi and then she gains, I guess, the the captain's hat and it's it looks Oh like my God. You guys yeah. know that I love the wardrobe and these <laughs> <laughs> This is my least favorite wardrobe epi- like, oh my God. I'm like, okay, the helmet with the cray paper feathers. Right. I'm like uh. Uh, all right, we had, we had to make budget helmet. somewhere. <laughs> we had we had to make budget for this episode somewhere. Oh oh, <laughs> Some man. corners had to be cut. These I'm all okay. the the whole yeah the whole episode I wasn't feeling none of the uh, none of the outfits. I'm like yeah God. yeah the wardrobe I feel you on that wardrobe yeah. off this week. And they was all off keel. They were like tilted. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was yeah. like oh they could have did a little better job. At least made it look like metal. They were like the bad news bears of the Dahomey Amazons. <laughs> oh my god! A, a ragtag group of women warriors. That's yes. all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, but then um, I know, like you, you gave a little uh, backstory. I didn't realize there were so many. I think it was like they said it was like one thousand to six thousand uh, army of women. Oh, I yeah. mean, they only showed a small amount mm. there. Right. But it was, a, you know, apparently it was a, a huge army. Oh, yeah, they were deep. Mm-hmm. They were deep. And they had, like, the same rules that we, we saw in Black Panther. They weren't mm-hmm. allowed to marry. They weren't allowed to have kids. Mm-hmm. They were the, the king's wives. They weren't sleeping with the king, but, I mean, not all of them. But they were all devoted to him in the throne. So, yeah. like, but his secret service, basically. So... Hippolyte is learning to fight from Naoi. Naoi raises her skill. She beats her, gets that helmet. And then Fire by Mother's Finest plays. And I had never heard this song before, but fell in love with it, with the imagery of Hippolyta and the Dahomey Amazons mm. kicking ass. Like, mm-hmm. Hippolyta was ruthless. Like, yeah. And that was that, like one of my favorite scenes when she cut yeah. dude head off. Right? That was, that was definitely sliced badass. It, sliced it all the way around and knocked yeah. it. Oh, man. Like, I have no problem with gore. Love My it. only yeah. concern was I those did. soldiers had guns. Why didn't they just shoot? <laughs> what was Hepalaya's speech right. for the final charge? We are here. Because we did not believe them when they told us our rage was not ladylike. We did not believe them when they said our violence goes too far. We did not believe them when they said the hatred that we feel for our enemies is not godlike. They say that to women like us because they know what happens when we are free. Free to hate when we must. 
Free to kill when we must. Free to bring destruction when we must. That is our freedom. That is our prayer. No matter what they think of us after we grind them into the dust, that is our love! When you feel it, do it. Don't yeah. suppress your, don't repress yourself for anything. Basically, is what she was saying. And, and as, what I noticed too, and um, after I like looked at the, when I looked back at the Josephine Baker scene, um, scenes, and I'm like, okay, she's she's realizing who she wants to be, and she's coming into who she wants to be. And I felt like in the next scene with the Amazon, she's learning how to become that. When I watch those two scenes, I feel like in that scene, dealing with Josephine Baker and all the women, she learned how to play men. She's learning all our nuances that we think make us special, but it really ain't special. And, she's, and she found her voice back. When she quantum leaps again, now she's in another scenario where she's learning her strength. She's learning her power. And she's learning how to destroy men. Within this journey, she, she became full circle. I didn't think it was about men at all. I thought it was about her. No, I no, realizing I that like men don't matter. Her. No, it, like, it was about her, but in, in overall, it was about her knowing that she has the power. Like, mm -hmm. the, it always, she always had the power. Right, but like I said, I feel like the Josephine Baker part was mm -hmm. her realizing who she wanted to be, and then the second part was her finding the strength to become... Mm -hmm and becoming who she wanted to kill white people. That's what she wanted to learn how to, you know, wanted to do. And she learned how to do it. And she executed it without, man, without a man. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Like for, for the Josephine Baker part, I definitely think mm -hmm. she found her voice. And with the Dahomey Amazons, the, the minnow, I'm gonna call them the, the minnow, Dahomey Amazon, that's what Europeans call them. And with the minnow, she learned how to fight. And, and with fighting, fighting for her voice, fighting mm -hmm. for the things that she wants and after she gives that speech she gets transported to Uncle but George. she's still identifying as George's wife as George's wife even right. with all that she's still mm -hmm. identifying as that so she's not quite there yet right and then she gets transported to Uncle George now right. the scene is is ripped straight from the premiere episode sundown it's her laying in the bed and and asking George what he's looking at but this time, Hippolyta tells George about the adventure she was just on. Now, back to what Sean said, I definitely think she's quantum leaping because mm -hmm. I have a feeling that that Hippolyta was always there and now her consciousness is just in there. And when this Hippolyta leaves, that consciousness is going to go and then Hipp regular Hippolyta is going to be there still, not remembering any of it. So when she wakes up and she tells George about these, her travels and everything, she doesn't tell him she went through space or time. She says she, she went to different, she basically says she's transversing the multiverse. Mm -hmm. So she's been and different. she spoke about the many worlds theory and all that. All of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and she. And blowing George's mind like we thought. Yeah. <laughs> And George, like, like a man, man yeah. um, makes it all about himself, says, and despite all of that, you still named yourself my wife. And this is when she comes to the realization mm -hmm. that I just got my voice. I just learned how to fight. Now, sometimes you have to fight the person you love for your own space. 
And this is when she realized, this is what I have to do. I have to let you know that this is me uninterrupted. This is, this is all of it. And that's, that, and that he doesn't call the shots anymore. And that's, that's why- That's kind of where, where I was leaning to when I said she had to learn how to kill men. Like I was leaning like in a metaphorical way that, cause when she got to the scene with her husband, she had to metaphorically kill her husband. Like when he said that, oh, and you still named yourself my wife. And then she realized like, yes, you are part of the problem. Yeah, and I feel like, too, like, she said, like, you know, she she still identified as his wife, but Mm -hmm. she, and she realized that, like, no, this is about me. This is about what I need, what I want, who I am in relation, you know, and I felt like she wanted, and, like, when he said, I see you, that's all she wanted. She wanted Mm -hmm. him, she wanted, she loves her husband, she wants to be with her husband, she wants to go on adventures with her husband, and it's, like, for him to finally say I see you for you know who you are like that's all she needed to hear and accept her and just you know she you know like like Daryl said like she's always wanted to go on trips with him and you know do all that stuff but he would always uh, belittle her to just being the mom and the wife and taking care of the home when he knew that's not who she was to start with she says she shrunk herself yeah yeah that's that's but like she said she started shrinking herself when she realized she couldn't name something out of this world when Mm -hmm. they took that from her Mm. and gave it to somebody else that's when she realized her place in this world and ever since then you know like she said she started shrinking herself yeah and she thought that george was gonna let her be large again but he was like have this baby Watch this kid while I go on the road. And he participated in it. Yeah. Participated in it. Yeah. Patriarchal society. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. George says he sees her, as you just said, and um, he he accepts his role in in her shrinking. Mm-hmm. And and through that that um, acceptance of that role that he has taken, she decides to name herself Hippolyta Discoverer. Mm-hmm. And she takes George's hand because now we're going on a guide trip, but I'm leading. Right. You know, and that was really cool. Um, so they get transported and then. And she, she was so happy. Like that was her. Yeah. You know, that was her ultimate happiness, you know? Oh, yeah. Then they get transported and um, they end up, she ends up as Arithia Blue this time. Mm-hmm. George is her second in command. And. Their spaceship, did you notice it? It's Woody. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah, peeped it. It's Woody. So you got the spaceship, they see the planet, and as they're looking at all these <laughs> things, Sunrise poem plays about Black people being a myth. Yeah. Um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a poem. You ever watch that movie? It's, it's a movie. Uh, that movie. movie is crazy. Space is the place it's called, and he's That's talking to... He's talking to a group of black people in the hood and trying to convince them to come to space with him. I would have been out. Yeah, he <laughs> he he um, somehow the end, ended up in space, and it was a great place. And he his idea was to move all the black people in in America to mm-hmm. space with him to escape, you know, everything that was going on in America. And he was he came back to Earth to convince black people to come back with him. So he's standing in a room with a, a group of black people trying to convince, he's giving that speech, talking to them and saying, and I think one of them asks him, 
are you for real or something like that? Are you, is this real? And then after he goes on to say, you know, I'm not real. You know what I mean? Like, look, look at who you are in America type of thing. So he, that's his goal is to try, he's trying to convince these people to come back to space with him. I was going to ask y'all that question later too. Yeah, it, that movie. <laughs> I'm like, I was going to, I wanted to see each of y'all perspective. I'm like, Rosalind has a mother, like you're Hephalida. If you were in that predicament, what have you yeah. done? Yeah, that's what I said. It was like she she realized her ultimate, you know, responsibility was mm -hmm. her daughter. She couldn't leave her daughter to fend for herself in that world. Heck no. And with all that I am now, I can better prepare her for that. Mm. You know? And then like, you know, not to go ahead, like, you know, they get to the plant well, those little Martian things, whatever they were. <laughs> it's like seriously. <laughs> Really? Could have did without that, but I mean, it was an adventure. I call it, uh, oh god, what's that movie? Avatar called Space Avatar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the planet they on, <laughs> but like I said, like she was at her happiest, like she was so happy there with George and you know, him doing what she's always wanted to do. Yeah. And she's um, living now, her daughter's coming, right? So that brings D into it as well. And the ship is Woody. And this is, I guess, this is what she wants. Right. She wants to be the leader of her own adventure. She wants to be Arithia Blue. Yeah. 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 Going on adventures. But then she's posed with the question from Beyonce or Serafina or... Sheba Baby Bot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... um. You, we can basically assimilate you into the system now that you've reached your full potential. You are what you sought, sought after for so long, sought to be. Um, but then she remembers D, like you said, and she moves like she, well, she questions how is she going to take all of this back with her? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because that Hippolyta was so small. Right. And even just how she's moving now, she's so light and just so carefree. And, you know, and like she even says, home, like to say home, it doesn't even feel like the right word. It feels like the wrong word. Yeah. And I don't know um, if you guys looked at it like that, but I looked at it as um, I'm some, like I'm a kind of not a connoisseur but i'm just like an interested part body in like buddhism and i looked at it as the four mm. stages of enlightenment mm. okay she was in nirvana she was almost there you know what i mean like mm. if you look at yeah. all her experiences it's four stages she was on that fourth stage where she was going to go beyond you know not, not she was up here she was light as a feather she was you yeah know, like all she had to do was say yeah yeah, it's like you know she was there, and like I like, said, that, all she had to do is like that for that fourth stage of enlightenment. You don't come back; you're beyond this world. You know what I mean? So it's like for her, like she was, you know, like I said, she was, she was, she could have gone and not had a care in the world and just been, like I said, above this world. But she, you know, like I said, she she knew that her daughter needed her, so she she had to come back to reality of you know of it. Yeah. But that was what I got. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this kind of reminds me of the four stages of enlightenment. Like, some Buddhism going on here. Oh, dope. Yeah, see, I didn't make that connection. Um, like, admittedly, I'm not super familiar with, with um, the four stages of enlightenment. So, mm -hmm. 
this is something that now I will make note of and check out. Um, yeah, because she, like I said, when she was just so happy with George, that's what you could consider her entering Nirvana. Okay. You know what I mean? So. People can't tell me this podcast isn't awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we teaching y'all about the four stages of enlightenment. We're giving y'all black facts. We're giving you everything. Come on, and we're funny. All right. Right. <laughs> so after Hippolyta makes her decision, um, we go back to the observatory and then Atticus returns with a copy of Lovecraft Country right. written by George Freeman. Right. Now. That blew me. I screamed. That blew yeah. me. I was, I like, was waiting for this right? to come up. Like, I was like, what the? Because I want to know what the hell happened to him now. Okay, now I want to know what's in the book. Like, is it is it Lovecraft Country, like as written by Matt Ruff, or is this something completely different? Mm. Also, how did Atticus get the book? Right, like, what did he experience? And I, I hope we get to and see it. But... What time period did Atticus go to? Right, right. Now, um, back to Hippolyta Quantum Leaping. This is what I think, and I hope it's not fact. I really hope this doesn't happen. Hippolyta goes to Uncle George, tells him about all this wild shit, takes him on this adventure. She leaves. He returns. He's with his Hippolyta. He tells her about this adventure he went on with her, and she doesn't remember any of it because it hasn't happened to that one. He decides to write a book about it, and profit off of it. So he's inadvertently um, shrinking her again. Oh, you know gosh. what I mean? Hmm. You know, I'm hoping that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's, that's what makes sense to me right now. It's like, how could he have written this book without any type of knowledge? And the tagline on the book is like, worlds within worlds within worlds. And that's basically what Hippolyta was schooling him. So he's telling a story from just what Hippolyta has shared with him. Because he doesn't know anything else, like what Atticus and everything went through. Right. But he's just, t- okay. And then probably uses his imagination. He's writing enough books. He can be right. creative. And, and, and D is super creative. So that's that's what I was getting from that. Um, Damn, I mean, I've got, got me fucking right, I said, now it's right on my head now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. You know, because we know that that it's a multiverse that they're traveling yeah. through. It, it's not just time, mm-hmm. you know, because that book, like, like what the hell? But I mean, I don't yeah, know. That was I, crazy. Yeah, I screamed. I was like, the lettering isn't like it is on my book, but I'm with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get the dead cop, and in the dead cops, is it in, under the dead cop? It's the yeah, Arinthia Blue kind. I would threw his ass through the portal. You ain't, you ain't have no right. damn evidence. Hey. <laughs> Atticus doesn't do, do the smartest thing. We already established that. <laughs> Never does. Yeah. So, um, from him to be an educated black man. Yeah. Well, that's all of them. They they're all brilliant, mm-hmm. and they're all super irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And super right. irrational. So basically, super, we're super we're saying is like they're they're all street they're all book smart like a motherfucker. But when it comes to street smarts, 
They ain't no the sharpest tool sense. in the shit. No, <laughs> yeah, no common sense. In the shit. <laughs> it's like no the sense. average black person isn't gonna do this, bro. Nope. Like we're gonna be like, nah, I'm not doing that. Nope. That's gonna get me killed. Mm-hmm. So that comic's there. We hear sirens, so we know cops are coming in. They're gonna find that comic book, and then Center Man comes on, and the episode goes off. So. Um, man, when you're gonna come I'm so hooked on that song now. <laughs> Me too. Right? I, right? I got this shit. I got it on my Spotify. My favorite part <laughs> is when she be like, "What's the matter with you?" <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, you know when I really fell for that song. Anybody remember Thomas Crown Affair? Yeah, which one? Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, that one sucks. Bro, I, I, I banged with Pierce Brosnan and Renee Russo, so I had to watch like, it. But I like they had Center Man in it. The one with Steve McQueen's way better. Oh, yes, yeah, Steve McQueen. But you saying Renee Russo? Uh, it was Renee Russo. Check you out. She had a nice <laughs> scene in there. I was like, oh, Renee. <laughs> All right. So, is this about to turn into a Lovecraft Country slash Renee Russo podcast too? Or? Uh-huh. Huh? It can. All right. It All right. can. It doesn't have to. Redhead. Um. Did anybody watch the preview for next week? I did it. Yeah. Yeah, disturbing. 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 It, it reminds me of um, us a little bit. Like watching the preview. Yeah, I That's almost like, don't even want to watch it. <laughs> Just like, like oh, me, you, and Rod? Or what do you mean? Like me, you, and Rod? No, like the movie Us. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. It kind of gives gives that vibe watching the trailer. I was like, we ain't in the no witchcraft. Nah. What the hell are you talking we, about? Like when you watch the first trailer of Us, it kind of gives you that vibe. Okay. It's very creepy. Yeah, like, like oh. the, the the preview was creepy, and like I said, I'm like, I don't even want to watch. Like, I'm on such a, a high of... now. Like after watching this last episode, and I'm just like, oh, God, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> they, they, they got they got to knock you back down. <laughs> yeah, man. And like, yeah, yeah we got to get back down to reality. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there wasn't anything in this episode that was really like uncomfortable. Right. No. You know. Um, other like than you said, this this. This episode is more so a love letter. Other than Tick calling Montrose a faggot, that was the only mm. thing that I was like, uh. But yeah, I let the F word came out. Yeah, everything else. This was um this was one of the more upbeat, more positive. Yeah, uplifting, upbeat. Yeah. yeah, definitely was uh, you know, a different tone yeah. than the last few. Not so much horror. Right, right. More this, sci-fi, more, you know. Yeah, this was their their Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I was here for all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of things from the book. Um, most of it's super different from the book. Um, but like everything, the overarching themes are still there. How much um, time, how much quantum leaping she did in the book when she breaks the universe? It's not so much. Not yeah. so much. Yeah. And it's not like this. Um, because in the book, like Hippolyta is, is a very much a different character. George mm-hmm. never dies. She's been going out on the on the guide trips by herself. Um, oh, and okay. and one of the things that has happened is after after her um, name for the constellation gets passed over, she still goes out and like searches for observatories and looks at the stars and shit. Like she's a completely different character in this show. Um, for the sake of her journey. She's it's better in this than it is in the book. Um, because the the Hippolyta in the book wouldn't have gone through this, this wouldn't have happened. 
she wouldn't have needed to. Um, so I'm very appreciative that they went this route with it. Um, yeah. Some of the things that carried over from the book, um, her going to the observatory, that's a carryover from the book. Um, Dell being a blood bag is another carryover from the book. Um, but other than that, for the most part, it's its own thing. And it's cool. It's cool. I have no problems. No problems. I like, I like that. that. Yeah. Because I haven't read the book you have, and the fact that you're saying it's a good adaptation, it gives me something to actually probably look forward to reading the book eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Because because I know Matt Ruff said that he's he's about, I think he said 6,000 words into a sequel novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he said that should the series get a second season, that they're going to be vastly different. Um, because in the book, you're getting the adventures of Atticus Turner. And in the show, you're getting the adventures of Atticus Freeman. You know, yeah. even changing the last names of the characters sets them on diverging paths. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, the show is what I wanted, wanted it to be. It's an adaptation. It's not yeah. a page-for-page translation, which is never any fun for me personally. Yeah. It's very much, it's Misha Green's interpretation of this novel. And, and because she's a black woman doing it and not a white man who wrote it, episodes like this can happen. And, and that's something that I'm very, very appreciative of. This was very, yeah. very cool. I very much enjoyed this episode. Um, so I have a question, like, Atticus, why, why is he also referred to as Atticus Black, too? In the book. He is referred to as black in the book only. In the in the book, have they called him Atticus Black in the show? Yeah, like when I'm reading like the uh, the description of the, oh. the episode, it says Atticus yeah. Black. That's what it is. Yeah, in the book, he's Atticus Turner. In the show, originally, I believe his name was going to be Atticus Black because I think that they were going to keep the last names between the brothers different. They were going to keep Montrose and George as half-brothers or step-brothers. Mm-hmm. But I think they changed it to all of them being Freeman yeah. for the sake of the, the cohesiveness of the cohesion of the family so, right. to alleviate any confusion. Yeah, because in the book, it's Atticus and Montrose Turner and George's last name is Barry. It's, it's completely different. This Freeman stuff is all new. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about I did read Atticus Black. Yeah, in the show descriptions. Yeah, because in the book he's definitely Atticus Turner. Yeah, and there's Caleb instead of Christina. Yeah, they, they take a lot of lot of liberties with mm-hmm. the show. But it's good. It works. Yeah, yeah. It works. Because you want to be able to surprise the people that did read the book. Yeah. You know, and that's why I said, people. like for you, like you it's a joy to watch it and do this podcast with you when there's things that you don't know is happening and mm-hmm. things that you don't know is right. going to happen. Yeah. So it's like, oh, so Daryl get a little shock out of it too. So it actually makes it a little bit more fun instead of you right. writing. That's you know, what I was thinking. It wouldn't be fun if he knows everything yeah. that's going to happen. So when he gets surprised, it's like, okay, we can enjoy this together. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the first episode, that's what I was kind of worried about going for. Because the first episode is so faithful to the book. Mm-hmm. Um, they have little differences here and there, but for the most part, it's the first half of the first chapter. So I was like, all right, I pretty much know what's going to be coming down the pipeline. 
and now even though i know what's coming i don't know how it's coming right you know like i knew the the house was happening with letty i had no idea all that shit was going to happen um so it's it's definitely i i've got tons to enjoy uh watching the show and it's like me you talked about it earlier i think like first episode was hepatitis cracks the universe and I was like, I was looking forward to this episode because this is that episode. I am disturbs the universe. Yeah, disturbs the disturbs. universe. I meant to say that like, at the top of it. Yeah, and I meant, to, I meant to. I was looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh but yeah. Then, it it let me down. It delivered. It de- it delivered. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Let's wrap it up. And whenever we're finished, this, if either one of you want to read this, I have a hard copy of it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna read it of Lovecraft Country in case you ever want to read it once we're finished all of this. But um this was fun. This was fun. I think this is probably the shortest episode we've recorded now that I think this is definitely under our typical hour and a half. Oh yeah. Yeah I think what last episode last episode was kind of quick too. We didn't really take that long. What last episode was like an hour and twenty minutes. Oh yeah. It was like <laughs> 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 We haven't really gone under an hour and a half yet. Because yeah, the shows be layered. Like, yeah. yeah, talk about things. Yeah. And everybody that listens to us, they like hearing it this long because they like the show. Like, we like the show. Yeah. And they want to hear us talk about the show because they like talking about the show. So, awesome. Awesome. All right. So, um, then this was episode seven. I am Lydia's last guest, Lovecraft Country Podcast. All right. We'll see y'all next week. All right. See you next week, guys. Peace. Bye.